You're listening to the Counter Culture Mom Show. Our kids are under fire every day with the media and pop culture persuading them to give up their faith and Christian values. Stay tuned now as former Hollywood actress and pop culture expert Tina Griffin helps you counter these messages and safely navigate today's pop culture chaos. As a 17-year-old high school sophomore, Jean McGuire was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for a murder he did not commit. After accepting Jesus Christ and submitting to years of discipleship, a fruitful ministry was cultivated among his fellow inmates. Almost 35 years into his sentence came an unexpected miracle, his release. His sentence was changed and he was released as a free man. Today, he serves as a chaplain for a Christian family-owned business with 1,700 employees in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He also enjoys being an author and speaker, sharing hope of the gospel around this country. This is the Counterculture Mom Show. I'm your host, Tina Griffin, and you guessed it. This week, our series is all on the topic of wrongfully convicted. I'm with pastor, author, speaker to kick this baby off, Gene McGuire. Gene, how you doing, buddy, down there in Dallas-Fort Worth area? I love it. I love being on your show. Hey, I... I could not wait to interview you, and we created this theme, Wrongfully Convicted, the second I heard you share your story at an event wow. we spoke at in Dallas. Was that back in March? Uh, yes, up in, uh, in Denton, Texas, yes. Yes, Denton, Texas. I heard your story three minutes into your story. I'm like, he's coming on the program. We got to create something where he fits. And my son, who is 14, all four kids heard your story, came running up to me at the back table when we got done and said, Mom, out of all the speakers I heard talk to our generation, he impacted me the most and he had tears streaming down his face. Wow. You wow. impacted him a ton. And the thing that really spoke volumes is that you were not bitter about what mm -hmm. happened to you so long ago. Share with us, Gene, what happened to you when you were 17 years old? Take us back to that crazy day. Yeah, I went out drinking uh, with an older cousin who's 24 years old. I, of course, I was a sophomore, finishing up sophomore year, 17 years old, and an older stepbrother who drove us to this bar about 1130 at night. And my parents told me I was too young, I couldn't go. But, you know, we, I manipulated my way out the door. And my cousin, favorite cousin, uh, sweet talked my mom into, uh, hey, we're only going to go shoot some pool and, and go drink and we'll be back. But, you know, drinking alcohol was an acceptable behavior in my family. Good times we drank, bad times we drank. So that was that was kind of a custom. But I was an athlete too, so I was kind of working, trying to balance those things, and it really wasn't working out too good. Anyway, went out in about twenty minutes at this bar. What I thought was having a good time, my cousin decided he he said I'm going to rob this bar. And you know, being drunk, I understood everything, but you know, no inhibitions because of the alcohol. Um, we, we decided we'd leave and then he'd come back in a bar alone, rob it and come back out with the money. We'd take off in the car and it didn't happen that way. He walked into the bar and he didn't come out right away. When we walked up to look for him, he had murdered the owner, oh. uh, the bartender. And, um, you know, I would say he had no right to take a life and I had no right to participate um, in, in what I knew. He was going to rob the bar. I was there. I wasn't going to do it. And I, I had no heart to do that. But I was there and I knew it. And uh, so we took off real quickly, kind of took off. I knew he was in trouble. He knew he was in trouble and he took off, went to New York City. And the money that he um, found in a bar, he used to buy heroin. And oh. he, sh he was shooting heroin uh, and shooting galleries up in Spanish Harlem. Uh, about a day and a half later, I turned myself in. I realized, you know, sobered up and, and realized 
you know, this is this is a dead end. So I turned myself in. I was arrested. My cousin, he turned himself in 10 days later. He took the case, said it was his idea, and I was along for the ride. But along the, along the way, um, in the first month or so, I, I received a public defender, which, um, you know, through you read when you read my story, uh, he, public defenders could do what public defenders do. And they're overworked and they're usually uh, unexperienced. And so mm. 30 days into my arrest, he convinced me to plead guilty to murder and I could be out in 10 years. Well, the truth was that wasn't that wasn't true. So I pled guilty six months later, the day before my 18th birthday, I was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to do 10 years. But the rude awakening is when I got to the state prison in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, to start my adult time uh, from juvenile to adult, I realized by meeting other life sentence inmates that um, their, their comment was, young buck, you're going to die in here like the rest of us. You're never going to get out. So that was my initial, um, you know, my first year or so uh, being arrested and, and going from court. And it was just a numbing for me. It was just a numbing. I had no idea. I had nothing to base it off. I had little counsel. You know, um, I had a mother who cared, but, you know, I grew up in a functioning alcoholic family. I was never beat. I was never abused. My clothes were clean. My, I, you know, food on table, but it, it still does a lot of damage when you grow up in an alcoholic family. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I have like 10 questions I want to ask you, but I think the top question I've got is, and I want to use the right term, the guy who was representing you that said, Hey, you need to plead guilty this and convict and convinced you to plead guilty. Why did he do that when you weren't guilty? I, well, um, I was guilty of being uh, there. Present, so, right. Yeah, I was. Um, so they had charged me with conspiracy also. So um, the fact that I was there in Pennsylvania, it's uh, kind of a felony um, charge, felony homicide charge where um, you could you could have been a mile away and because of that. But uh, the deal, it was a deal on the table that I would testify against my cousin and that um, I could, you know, receive 10 years. And so he, he recommended me, convinced me that that was the best option because if not, I could get uh, life, uh, first degree life. And he just kind of, kind of put me in a position where I, you know, I want the best opportunity uh and hearing that 10 to 20 year sentence was was better than a life sentence for me so that's why i, I pled guilty and then uh once i got to the prison i found from other inmates that hey gene you're you're gonna die in here there's no parole eligibility i said well, my attorney said 10 years he said he lied to you so i got back on the phone with him real quick uh talked to him i said i want to go back to court have a trial a jury trial if if I could get less, and he convinced me every reason why not to, and like I said, the public defender system is what it is. They're usually overworked, they're inexperienced, and they're just trying to clear the cases because they have so many other ones that he wasn't he wasn't uh, fighting for me at all. He was not fighting for you at all. And that just rips my heart out because you did spend 35 years behind bars. Mm -hmm. However, God used that mightily. And that's what I want to focus on. Yeah. Um, but yes, he like people need to take the time to give people 
a, a decent case and to be heard and represented properly. It's your life we're talking about. I mean, it did impact your life greatly, but God turned that around massively. The biggest thing I want to ask you is why aren't you bitter today having spent so many years behind bars when you didn't kill that owner of the bar? Yeah, I, I, it helps a little bit. My my personality was one, even as a kid, I, I, I wasn't really easily angered. I had kind of mellow kind of personality temperament. But, um, you know, 10 years into my sentence, I attended a a revival. We could talk about that at point. Um, I attended and I, I became a born again Christian. And one of the first things I realized was that God forgave me uh. my many sins. Right. And so if, if, if God forgave me my sin, who am I not to forgive others? And I did have issues with my cousin. I had issues with my dad. I had issues with my mom, with a judge, the attorney. And I, and all those, you know, one by one, I, I was able to, you know, um, you know, nobody owed me anything, but I was able to literally forgive and move on because I knew God forgave me. So that was the, the foundation of my life today. If, if you know, if God forgives me, who am I to not forgive? Because my sin against God is far greater than any sin against me. And, um, I, you know, I never said my attorney intentionally lied to me. I just think he was inexperienced. And it was three issues that uh, were were the instrumental in in my release. One was he lied. The other was he pled me into an illegal plea agreement, and I had an unconstitutional sentence. And that's what the judge agreed um, in 2012 that um, ultimately uh, led to my release. Uh, praise the Lord, the judge saw what was going on. Um, and like I said, the blessing, I don't want to say you were handpicked by God to go into this prison, but because you were in prison, you placed your faith in the Lord, you found yeah. Jesus behind bars, yeah. and you witnessed and shared your testimony to so many other inmates. Um, was it difficult to earn respect as a Christian while you were behind bars? Did people give you a hard time? No, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that I've, I've heard that question for a couple of times this year, in fact. And I, I, I think this is what I, what I gather. I look back. Um, uh, respect uh, comes with a genuineness and authentic lifestyle. And I, I thought when I got saved, I remember meeting a bunch of guys that were Christian going to church. And I said, oh, you're a Christian. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm only like a week old in the uh -huh. Lord, you know. And I'm like, you're a Christian? And and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, are you sure? Because <laughs> the way they lived, you know, but they were encouraged by my faith coming to the Lord. They were all encouraged and, and everybody, you know, we— a lot of guys repented and they came back to the Lord and, you know, guys got saved and all that. But oh, cool. um, I just realized if, if there's only one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to live a genuine life, an authentic Christian life. And I'm going to I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray and I'm going to put what God teaches me, and what God shows me uh, in the word. I'm going to put it to practice. And if I knew if I practiced it in my lifestyle, it could it could uh command it could uh not demand but command others respect and i think that's um did i have opposition yeah did people not like what i had to say or what i represented or because i talked to officers you know you're like a snitch they call you a snitch because you talk to officers but you know they they need the lord too and you know i'm, I'm glad i did I, I you know i we're, we were able to uh lead a uh an officer to the Lord one day. And he said, I, he said, I can't close my eyes to pray. I got to keep my eyes open. 
because I'm security. And I said, that's fine. You don't have to close your eyes or bow your head, you know? And uh, the brother, he got saved. And, and uh, so I think because I chose to live um, the life personally, yeah. it became public. I love that. And Gene, why you stood out to me, once again, it comes to the fact that you had a smile on your face when sharing the story. I can see there's no bitterness. You had a heart for the other inmates. Yeah. You really fell in love with Jesus when you met him behind bars. So if people even watching this or myself, I'm just listening to your story thinking, if we think we are uh, hurt wrongfully, someone did something to us that wasn't right, and uh, we can't have that root of bitterness that permeates every aspect of our life and treat other people wrong as a result or respond in an unloving manner back to the person that's hurting us. And we are not in prison. We did not you know, get locked up for 35 years. So you literally set such a high standard, which is great for us to remember that if you can pull through this gene, yeah. anybody can, anybody can. We're going to come back, short commercial break here. So support our sponsors. They're just fantastic. They allow us to keep this uh, on the air every single day, reaching millions and over 40 platforms. So support our sponsors. We love them. We'll be back to talk about difficulties that you face, Gene, when you were released. My name is Glenn Story. I'm the founder and CEO of Patriot Mobile. And then we have four principles. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Right to Life, Military and First Responders. My name's Scott. I'm with Patriot Mobile. What is going on with all the woke companies in this country? It seems like everybody has completely lost their minds, right? No more. This is called voting with our dollars. We need to start prioritizing our beliefs and our values over convenience and comfort. And this is why companies like Patriot Mobile are so important right now. If you have a place to go put your money, you always want to put it with somebody that's like-minded. Of course. I think that's the, that's the beauty of Patriot Mobile. We're a conservative alternative. My pronouns are Bible believer, gun carrier, and mama bear. We are the nation's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We're a well-funded Christian entertainment company that's making world-class games for children. And what we're doing is unique because we're building top-notch gaming content that competes with the top of the stuff on the App Store, but that contains God's truth. Whether it's games that are biblical or games that come out of a new world we've created called the Rimverse. I was looking out at the world and I got bothered by a few things. Anxiety, suicide, and depression rates are all-time highs for children, which exactly parallels the rise of social media on smartphones. I noticed that for the first time in American history, less than half of Americans go to church. While over 60% of people in this country, over 40, believe in God, that for children, well, it's only 32%. As a parent, and I'm a parent, and there's a lot of parents out there that we hear this from that want the True Play solution, there's nowhere they can take their kids to deliver them high quality entertainment, something that they're actually gonna enjoy and use, but that also contains God's truth, that contains the values that they hold dear. Head over to trueplaygames.com to learn more. Throughout the last two and a half years and reaching the recent 500th episode, we have received emails where relationships have been restored, babies have been saved, mothers have been encouraged to keep fighting for their kids, and that is all possible because of your generosity. Our ministry is supported financially, primarily by our listeners and our viewers. So thank you so much to those who have jumped on board in the last year or two and gave to this ministry. It has allowed us to expand on over 20 TV networks, 600 radio stations, and the major podcast avenues. 
In this next year, we're praying for more people who have been impacted by this program to come alongside us so we can get these life-saving conversations in more homes across America. And we can't do it without you. If you'd like to donate to Counterculture Ministries and help us expand the reach, you can make your tax-deductible gift by going to counterculturemom.com and then just click on that pink donate button at the top of the page. You can make a one-time year-end gift or become a monthly partner. Our monthly budget is 40000 to keep this show on the air and to cover production costs. We are in need of 20000 to cover our monthly expenses and we'll be expanding to more platforms as soon as our funding comes in. To give, just check out counterculturemom.com and click on the donate tab at the top of the page. And if you know of any other families that might be interested or that are impacted by our show, please let them know that we're looking for monthly partners here in the new year. At the same time, any businesses that are for America, pro-life, love kids, have conservative Christian values, please let them know as well that we are looking for monthly partners. Once again, all attacks right off. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to serve the Lord every single week through this program. Gene, all right, when someone's released from prison who was wrongfully convicted after 35 years, you think that 5,000 people would come out, our long lost brother is, is out, he's free, he gets to breathe fresh air. Uh, yet you had a difficult type of situation. Tell us more about what some of the obvious difficulties were once you were released from prison. Uh, just the, the fact that I spent 35 years away from society, um, you have to learn a lot of things. I never had a driver's license. I had to get that. I never had a bank account. I had to get that. I never had a job interview ever <laughs> other than the prison. And usually that was pretty easy if they saw you and you could walk and talk and you, you were hired. Work. So you could you <laughs> work, right? So it wasn't about skill set. But, um, you know, I, while I was in prison, I, I, I made relationships the most important thing in my life. And, you know, I learned some hard lessons in the prison. I, I wrote plays, conducted plays, music, all those things, ministry. And sometimes I was heavy handed, you know, and I was controlling. And, and uh, thank God for Orlando who's a, a brother I write about in my book, Unshackled. He, he's like, you're controlling. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yeah, you're controlling. I said, no, I'm not. And uh, finally, I just had to sit down. The Holy Spirit kind of took me to the woodshed, you know, and said, hey, this is my ministry, not yours. Uh, you know, you can do all this stuff, but if you leave a trail of dust behind you and hurt people. So it really made me wow. realize that relationships are the most important thing. So I built relationships in and out. So when I was released, I had a lot of good friends and, and family members that were there to help me. And that's something that a lot of guys, probably 70, 80% of the men, get, women getting out of prison don't have because maybe they haven't built relationships. Wow. So um, technology, that was a tough issue using a cell phone, pumping gas, you know, the day I, the day I. Uh, Gosh, I didn't think about that stuff. Yeah, the first day I was pumping gas, I was I was here in Texas and I just got my license and I had the, I had my friend's car and it was getting on the east. So I went and stopped and got some gas and I couldn't like pump gas. I I used my car. I I was doing everything and I was sitting there <clears throat> standing there next to my the car and I was like what's going on, you know? And next the truck pulls up and the guy gets out and and says, "Hey, um I said, "Excuse me, can you help me out?" So I had my debit card in my hand. I said, "Can you help me out?" He says, "The pump broke." And I was like, I said, no, I said, I just got out of prison after 35 years. My friends, they, they went away. They left me the car 
And I, I just felt like this guy's gonna call nine one one. Oh like, my gosh! Like you're exactly escapee. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So he he comes over and he said, "Put your card in." He said, "Put your pin number in." And I, oh, you gotta put your pin number in. And so I'm, I'm so relieved, you know. I'm pumping gas, and he start walk. He starts walking away, and he says, "Hey." He turns around. And he said, "You got it?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Keep your nose clean." And oh. I thought, man, what a conversation he probably had with his family that night when he went home. But I, uh, I just was fortunate to have friends and family, you know, finding an apartment was tough. It took me a year. I got turned down a lot, you mm. know, and you just have to be resilient. You have to be walk, continue to walk in faith and grow where God plants you. And I was fortunate to have some friends that let me stay at their house. So um, your so your friends and family were supportive and uh, they were celebratory. It was the day-to-day activities. You weren't quite sure what to do because you were behind bars for so long. We're going to find out more about your ministry and what happened to your cousin who committed the murder right after this. Have you ever wanted to start a charity or ministry? Launching a nonprofit can be time-consuming, expensive, and overwhelming. If you have a vision and mission, but don't know where to start or how to raise donations, Capstone Legacy Foundation is your solution. Their ministry charity project allows you to receive tax-free donations without the expense and hassle of forming your own 501c3 and in less than 48 hours. This ministry partnership fund is exactly how Counterculture Ministries got its start, and we grew quickly. Capstone Legacy Foundation handles all your legal and accounting paperwork, allowing you time to develop the ministry and message God gave you. Call Capstone today at 610-688-8890 or check out capstonelegacy.org for more information. And tell them Tina sent you. Partner with Capstone Legacy Foundation to transform our culture for Christ and get your nonprofit started today. The following is a life-saving message brought to you by LifeVac. Hi, I'm Arthur Lee, CEO, inventor of the LifeVac. Did you know that over 30 children a day are rushed to the hospital due to a choking emergency? That's why it's imperative to have a LifeVac nearby. It's made in the USA. LifeVac is an emergency suction device that is patented, FDA registered, and has successfully saved over a thousand lives already. Hear it from a real life saved. I tell people LifeVac saved my baby. I had the skills, I had the training, it didn't work. The LifeVac is simple to use. Just place, push, and pull to suction the object from the airways. Avoid the ER or worse. Get your life-saving LifeVac now. Choking emergencies happen. Get your very own LifeVac now and get 20% off. Visit LifeVac.net or call 877-LIFEVAC now. Hey, Gene, we're talking during commercial break about 52 different topics, but I've got to let America know about both you and I are passionate for the teens. We travel around the globe. You are doing nonstop speaking at schools. You had an event on Monday, a floor room only. I think they were what, in the hallway practically? Uh, with what well, they, Yeah, they poured in from the hallway. FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, at, the, at the middle school. They used the library because the gym was being used. But uh, about 100 kids came in and they just, they ran out of seats. So kids just went and sat on the floor. And, you know, I had like 15 minutes to talk to them and, and challenge them. I, you know, I said, you are the leaders of not only the church, but of our, of our country because yes. your faith and your trust in the Lord. So I have to ask you, whatever happened to your cousin who committed the murder and your stepbrother? Uh, my cousin was sentenced to life 
uh, first degree life. He is currently in a Philadelphia state prison and um, I'm not in touch with him any longer. Um, long ago, I just said, you know, he, he's a bad influence. And, and I, I, like this morning, I was praying for him, you know, and, and uh, we've been in touch a little bit. But, and my stepbrother, um, Sid, he's at a, a, a Northeast prison serving life also. Wow. And because, because I was a, the, you know, if you read, when you read my book, it, it talks about how I was able to access the court. And because Sid was not a juvenile, he didn't have access to the courts at the time. So unbelievable. Okay, your book. Let's talk about it. Everybody get your hands on Gene's book. Grab a bunch of copies. It's Christmas time here. Grab yes. a box load of copies and give it to your young people in your family or someone maybe even behind bars that needs the Lord. Oh my gosh, that would like change that person's life. Your book, buddy, is Unshackled from Ruin to Redemption. We can get this baby on Amazon, correct? Uh, Amazon paperback. And then, um, and also I just put the ebook up this week uh, for Kindle. That came up oh. this week. And then my website, gmcguire.org. All right. You know, I, I'm going to put this in the mix. It's holiday time. And I, I am a stickler, man. I have very high expectations. So any ladies out there or friends of friends that you think would be perfect for Gene, it's going to have to go through me, Counterculture Mom. I'm not joking. Send us a picture headshot, the ministry that woman's working on, because Gene needs a woman that's strong in the Lord as well. Email us at show at counterculturemom.com. Let's do a little matchmaking. Come on, we reached 500 episodes. It's time to just jump in that pool there. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Go out there and make it a good one. Gene, you rock. Counterculturemom.com. If you also want to make a donation to either ministry, check support, out our website. Support Tina's ministry. Support it, support oh, it, support it. You rock, buddy. Help us get 500 more guests on this program. Go to counterculturemom.com, click on the donate button, top left corner, pink button, and have at it. Gene, Keep up the excellent work. Let's speak together in this upcoming new year. Thanks for joining us for the Counterculture Mom Show with your host, Tina Griffin. For over two decades, Tina has traveled the globe exposing how pop culture is glamorizing harmful behaviors without showing the consequences and how these messages are wreaking havoc on today's youth. Through radio, TV, podcasts, and our app, Counterculture Ministries is reaching millions every week with a biblically-based message for hope for today's teens and their parents. But we can't do that without your faithful prayer and financial investment. If you appreciate the ministry of Tina and Counterculture Ministries, would you prayerfully consider a generous gift right now? We have a donor matching dollar for dollar. You can give securely online by visiting counterculturemom.com or by texting the word DONATE to the number 55444. That's counterculturemom.com or text the word DONATE to the number 55444. Every dollar is doubled. If you love this show, you can stay up to date on the latest critical issues affecting your family by catching all of our weekly episodes with resource links, signing up for our e-newsletter, and downloading our Counterculture Mom app, where you get timely pop culture alerts. Visit counterculturemom.com for more details. And be sure to join us next week for another edition of the Counterculture Mom Show with Tina Griffin, where we are rewriting Hollywood script for our kids.